Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers. Mm. Or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the West Coast Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Frias Guzman. And want to wish everybody just a happy Tuesday. It is November 23rd, uh, 2021. Uh, just recording this um, on an early Tuesday morning. Just um, hoping that everybody's had a good weekend and a good Monday to kind of start off your week. And just wanted to bring up this podcast here, guys, to give you guys a quick uh, quick update on, on overall just the... On, on the three teams that I cover, um, for anybody who's maybe been wondering about the Golden Knights and when I'm going to be doing a podcast, if you're wondering that, if you are, thank you. <laughs> but um, I, I I do just want to want to make sure that I'm bringing you guys a good quality podcast, good, you know, just want to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence to, to bring you guys a good quality podcast overall. I don't want to just start talking a bunch of nonsense and everything and just seeing what you know, what, what sticks to the wall, you know, and just going from there. I want to make sure that overall I have a good understanding of the sport and or a great understanding of the sport because I, I am a little bit familiar with it, but I'm learning as I'm going, you know, when it comes down to it. But once I do, once I do have a good understanding of the sport and I'm watching a few games or watching some highlights and, and getting to know better with the, the team overall, I'll start bringing more, more podcasts there you, uh, for you, um, well, for you guys. But for today, I am just going to be talking about the Dodgers, the Raiders, and the Lakers. Actually, in that order, as a matter of fact. Um, so I'll be just kind of bringing you guys a, a brief update on all three teams. Kind of talking about a few things that the teams are, are doing. Uh, you know, and just as well, just with the Raiders doing um, a little post-game recap, if you would. And just kind of talking about what I kind of saw and a little preview on, on Thanksgiving's game. For those, for those of you guys who don't know. Raiders are facing off against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Thursday night. So definitely keep an eye out for that one, guys. And also, lastly, I'll be talking about the Lakers. Uh, finishing off with them, just kind of doing a brief uh, recap over the two games that they had over the weekend. Uh, well, actually, on Friday and Sunday. Uh, Friday going against the Celtics, losing, unfortunately, 108 to 130. And then uh, against the uh, Detroit Pistons, actually coming back in the fourth quarter um, kind of comeback victory. I believe it was like a 15-point deficit that they had in the fourth quarter, and they ended up overcoming that. And I believe we ended up winning, what was it here? Sorry, guys. Uh, it was 121 to 116. So we actually got had a really good comeback on that. Ended up winning by five points in the end. Uh, so just wanted to bring up... Um, uh, all, all three of those and we'll just kind of get started here but just before i do get started on the dodgers guys i do want to mention that you can find me on instagram you can find me on twitter just remember that 
and it's going to be at West Coast Sports or sorry, West Coast Pod 702. And then my email account is going to be West Coast Sports Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, so just to get started here, guys, Dodgers have been haven't really made any noise i guess so to say i really haven't had any kind of things like solidified but it's been some talks about players that they're interested in overall uh one of the guys that i've been really uh kind of keeping my eye on is luis castillo uh he is a starting pitcher for the cincinnati reds at least form or at least still at this time he is but um it looks, it sounds like overall he's ready to move away from the Cincinnati Reds and he's ready to go ahead and maybe compete for a championship or at least help out. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's just ready to go and move move from this from the Reds. I really don't know whether if it's he that he wants to go to a, to a contender for, for a World Series or something like that or if he just wants to go in and get paid or whatever the case is. But overall, uh, the Dodgers have shown some, uh, some interest in him from the sounds of it. Um... Other than Luis Castillo, there hasn't been really any strong or any or any really concrete names or anything like that or players that they've really shown interest. I mean, there's they the Dodgers have had their names with a couple players here and there, but I mean overall, it's, I haven't heard much uh, concrete news. But overall, it sounds like the approach that they're taking over this off season is that they want to solidify that they want to they want to strengthen that that starting rotation um when we saw that last year but overall just a couple things ended up going really bad you know when it came down to trevor the whole trevor bauer situation uh when it came down to kershaw getting hurt uh when it came down to um uh dustin may getting hurt, big red he ended up getting hurt so that just took three pitches off of the rotation there off of an, an amazing rotation as a matter of you know if you ask me when it came down to it, we ended up starting off with like having Walker Bueller, uh, Kershaw with uh, Bauer. Then you had uh, Urias would be able to, I mean, I don't know, you could even flip those around even whatever way you had. But you had those four guys. Then you had Big Red with uh, Dustin May. You had uh, Tony Gonzalez that you can throw out there as well that they were throwing out there every once in a while. And I want to say that there was other, a couple other pitches that they were throwing out there. But for the most part, I remember it was those five guys, those six guys that they really were having in rotation out there. And um, it was able they were able to kind of preserve themselves a little bit. But then, you know, once things started happening, once people started getting hurt and the whole Trevor Bauer situation, that starting rotation started looking really scarce. You know, it was looking really weak at, at some point. Then it really strengthened up again once uh, Max Scherzer got in there. But then... Still, Kershaw got hurt again uh, later on in the season, right before the playoffs, and that kind of just put a damper on things. You know, that just took us down from having, for sure, four really great postseason pitchers to three when it, we were really only having a rotation, just Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, and um, Julio Rias. You know, we were trying to just makeshift some sort of other kind of ways, you know, putting other pitchers in there, you know, to start off when we put um, uh, Bruce Dahl Gratterall in there for, for to start off one of the games, which is a great idea, by the way. That was actually one of the games that we really, that we won, and we ended up winning by a good margin. But anyways, um, I mean, so it's just one of the things that we can do in the postseason, but you want to make sure you have, like, I, I've seen just overall, especially in the past couple of years, that the team who has the best starting pitching and who can get them into the who can take up those innings tends to win because they have a better if you have a good bullpen it's best to save them as much as you can or at least when you use them not not to overuse them overall because you're just gonna well yeah you're just gonna use them up right (laughs) but um 
I don't know. I definitely mean injuries happen and stuff happens and all that, but uh, hopefully, um, it sounds like overall just the approach that Andrew Freeman and the Dodgers are taking is to solidify it, to strengthen up that that starting rotation. You know, making sure that we have a good starting starting rotation for the for the entire season and for the playoffs. Um, the other thing that I'm noticing is that they're really approaching the 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 defensive side and the batters as um, a way for them to just keep the majority of the guys around. Uh, the majority of the people that the majority of the players that they already have, they want to keep them around. It sounds like because um, they, they if you have noticed, I mean, the guys definitely have some sort of chemistry. You know, the, the Dodgers have always had the sort of chemistry that they had for the past I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. I don't even know. But it's just like ever since, like, you know, Andrew Freeman, ever since uh, Dave Roberts, ever since, you know, the all these younger guys, like with Corey Seager, uh, Bellinger, um, with, uh, with, with, not even the young, not even, and some of the other non young guys, like, uh, like Max Muncie, like Justin Turner. When you when all these guys, they have some sort of chemistry with each other. They have something. They I don't know. They have something, you know. And it sounds like overall they just want to preserve that as much as they can. Um, and it sounds like overall just they're they're trying to keep those guys around. Maybe to go in and see what kind of direction they can go into later on in the season. It's always best off that you have options, you know. So then that way you do have players maybe that you can trade to maybe if there's one a player that becomes available in a big trade or something like that, you know. But uh, it sounds like maybe in some still some of the players that they had um, chances to extend offers to, like Corey Seager, still hasn't really made any sort of commitment or hasn't even shown that he's even committed to signing that or to you know committing to that to that contract, which really worries me. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was talking to a few podcasts ago. I don't think that he's going to be sticking around. I th- I really do think that he's going to stall out and see how much money he can get from some of the other ball clubs, maybe the Yankees or the Red Sox or some other team that can pay him maybe even more than what we can, which I really don't, I don't know. I mean, I really do think that the Dodgers will, will really just tell Corey Seager, like, hey, if you are getting more, we can match that, or I don't know. Hopefully that's the case because I would want to keep him around because I really do think that he is going to be one of the better uh, shortstops in the league, but we do have a really good, a really good uh, backup. Or I don't even, I don't even think of him as a backup. I think he should should be starting is uh, Trey Turner, but because he has so much, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He has so much uh, diver- diversity, I guess, or, or um, uh, God, I can't even think about the the name. But he he's able to play so many different positions, basically. He's able to not not just to play shortstop. He's great at it's for at second base. He's great at third base as well. And I believe he's even played outfield before in the past. Uh, but you know he's definitely his main position has always been shortstop. You know, but so I mean in a way it's like one of those things like yeah I would want Corey Seager around because I really do think that having him and Trey Turner really makes them really makes that uh, uh that that infield very 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 strong you know and very capable to you know, to be a World Series competing infield. But anyways, um, that, that's just my opinion. We'll have to go and see what happens overall. I don't make those kind of decisions, but we'll see what happens, guys. You know, best of, I really do think that overall that um, Andrew Freeman and Dodgers have shown 
that they are capable of making the moves necessary in order to win a World Series. I mean, we we made that happen, and yes, I know it was in the shortened season and this and that and blah 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 blah. But in in my opinion, that was that had to be one of the hardest World Series, the hardest seasons to play. Um, similar to like the Lakers when they won in the 2020 year, you know, when they went to the bubble and everything and all that. So. That's just my opinion, and just speaking of hard games and just hard times and all that, you know, just kind of that we're speaking of hard times when it comes down to, well, just in general, I wanted to bring up the Raiders here, guys. <laughs> so I know that was a horrible segment, and I know that it's a horrible transition and everything and all that, but um, when it comes down to Dodgers, guys, it really just had to see because nothing's really been um, solidified or anything like that. Nothing has been in concrete, but we'll have to see what happens. But uh, to move on forward here, guys, and to talk about the Raiders... Raiders have had a rough few weeks here now, guys. Um, we ended up losing, unfortunately, to the Bengals. It was 32-13. to 13. Yeah, I know. 32-13 to 13 to the damn Bengals, guys. Um, overall, I mean, Bengals are not... Not, not to go into talk crap about the Bengals or anything like that. And not to go into take anything or to disrespect them or anything like that. But... I mean, overall, Joe Mixon is a great running back. He ended up being very explosive. I'll get more. I'll get more into that later on here. Um, Joe Burrow, great quarterback and everything and all that. Um, you know, he's showing that he's that he definitely can be a, a good quarterback in the in the in the NFL moving forward. Overall, we'll have to see what the Bengals want to do and what they can do with him. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll just get right into the uh, the game here. Um, overall, everything was looking good until the fourth quarter if you really ask me <laughs> you know um there's a couple things that i'll get to before the fourth quarter when it comes down to it i mean um I, I was liking what i was seeing when it came down to how the raiders were able to get darren waller involved more especially now we that we don't have henry Ruggs, so we don't have like a, a so to say a 1a 1b option you know when it came down to waller and, and Ruggs. It's now more just like all Waller, and we need to make sure, or the Raiders need to make sure. Sorry, guys. I'm really trying to make sure not to going to do that anymore, but the Raiders do need to find a way to incorporate, you know, more more plays, more 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 ways to get him open, and because he's he is the best receiver. I mean, he wasn't even the best receiver even before, but he's definitely now. You know when it comes down to it, but I would I would want to see other players getting involved more. Renfro, nobody really had more than what five catches, and the guy who had the five catches was Josh Jacobs, the running back. But that was only for 24 yards, and I get it. I mean, yeah, like that's still something, but it would be best. Uh, it would be nice to have a couple other players to make some explosive plays down the field. You know, Renfro is always his guy that you know that can catch up the middle or to get a short pass. Maybe he can get some yak yards. You know. Um, Zay Jones, they tried him a couple times. He only was good for one catch. Um, the other one, you know, was on the sideline and everything, all this and that. Um, but it would be nice to go in and get some other people involved. Uh, Foster Moreau got his touchdown pass and everything. But, you know, it would be nice to maybe have a couple other ones. And that's that's the other thing. It would be nice to go in and turn some of these touchdowns into – or some of these field goals into touchdowns. You know, it would be nice. <laughs> but uh, – it just happens to, it, I don't know, it, like the, the the offense gets really stagnant for some reason right around the the red zone. You know, it seems like if it's not like an explosive, and that's the other thing, if you guys are not getting big big plays, like big explosive plays that are going to be going down the field, whether if it is like, well, in the passing game, but what should really happen is the, the running game should be more like that. 
The running game only had 18 carries for 72, 73 yards. That's not going to get it done, guys. That's not going to, that's definitely not going to be enough. You know, uh, especially with Josh Jacobs and, uh, Ken, Ken, and uh, Kenyon Drake, you know, we definitely expected more of this running game to be more explosive. And yes, I know that they had some, uh, some catching, some, some catch yards or some yards from, from receiving, but I do really think that the running game needs to get started. You know, the the Bengals really, really had an explosive running game, and they really, really exploited the, the the weakness that we have when it comes down to the to the running game. Even though we had a couple guys, you know, on the on the def the defense overall played great. It really just kind of crumbled in the fourth quarter. But when you're really not scoring touchdowns, you know, especially when the team when your team when your defense is playing good and they're giving you the ball back and with now allowing the other team to score and you're not capitalizing on that, eventually the freaking defense is gonna collapse or if you're not protecting the ball enough and having having the, the possession, you know, the possession time, then your defense is gonna get tired eventually, you know? At least that's what I kind of saw in the fourth quarter. The defense kind of got tired. That's what happened to those. What was it? it was two touchdowns, wasn't it? Um, that they ended up scoring and ended up getting the field goal at the end. It's just uh, everything. Everything fell apart in the fourth quarter when it came down to it. Uh, Derek Carr unfortunately had a, a fumble and an interception in the fourth quarter. Like what the hell are the damn? I mean, I know it's Derek Carr. And it hurts me to go and say that, but I mean, he needs to find a way to protect the ball more, especially in the fourth quarter. He tends to do that at times you know but well it is what it is when it comes down to it guys um you know hopefully i really do think that the team just kind of needs to get their head out of their ass or just their, their head out of the skies or whatever and just focus you know just understand that they have important games coming up especially this this one coming up against the the the, the cowboys it's a big one um, I don't know, maybe just because uh, <laughs> maybe just because every Cowboy fan is not a Raider fan and every Raider fan is not a Cowboy fan, but I don't know. To me, it's because more like me, I have nothing really personally against the Cowboys, but I have problems with Cowboy fans because they're just all, oh, forget the Raiders and this. I'm like, what the hell did we do to you guys? Like, right? Like, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a Latino thing. I don't know because it seems like every every Latino is either a Raider fan or a Cowboy fan. It's that's that's pretty much about freaking it. But anyways, um, Cowboys coming up Thanksgiving, guys. Definitely keep an eye out for that game. Uh, it, the funny thing was, I, it was me and my dad were watching it. With the wife and I, uh, Rosa, we went out to my parents' house. So shout out to my parents. Shout out to my to my wife, Rosa. Uh, we ended up going over to my parents and we ended up getting surprised by some tacos. So thanks mom. Love you. Uh, and, uh, when we were watching the games, my, my pops and I, they ended up saying like, Oh, the Raiders, Cowboys, and the other four teams that are, that are playing for, um, are playing on Thanksgiving, all six of them, we all, they all lost. And I'm like, shit, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of funny though. That's it's ironic. So, I mean, it's going to be a sad Thanksgiving, but in a way it might be a good one, at least for three of them. Uh, hopefully we're one of the damn three that are going to be happy, you know, <laughs> we're playing, it's going to be, uh, AT&T stadium over in, over in Dallas or Arlington, Texas. Uh, so it's definitely going to be an exciting game. Uh, we'll have to go and see what happens and everything guys, but definitely, definitely looking forward to that game. Uh, but, uh, hopefully we can kind of, hopefully some stuff can kind of turn around because it's the chiefs have kind of found themselves and uh, the chargers have kind of found themselves and they're looking better. 
than at least at least from earlier in the season and we're trending the opposite way you know we started off the season really great and now we're kind of trending downwards you know and hopefully we should be trending upwards you know but it's not i mean i don't even think it's understandable i don't know people go through stuff every, every day of their lives i really don't think it should be any different for these guys at least not in my at least not in my opinion and that's really the problem that some people have is separating the the two things you know separating a normal people normal working people to the celebrities and athletes and everything like it's they i mean i don't know i i get it and i get that playing professional sport and everything and all that is difficult but hey but when it comes down to it, to apples and oranges, if you're comparing the two, whatever the case is, we go through stuff, they go through stuff. At the end of the day, everybody needs to move on forward and, and get and get it going, you know? And I know it's hard to go and think about it like that, but, you know, people lose people, lose people like, I mean, for, for good, like they lose their lives and they're still able and people still move forward. You know, when it comes down to both of these guys, the people that they lost, when it comes down to John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, when it comes down to Damon Arnett, they're still alive. They're still kicking. Yeah, they've messed up some stuff in their careers and, and Henry Ruggs, maybe even his life. But it is overall a thing that they need to move forward. You 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 move on forward. You live another day to to move forward. You know, and I know it's maybe a little heartless to gonna say like that, to sound like that, but it is what it is when it comes down to it. But maybe that's again, maybe it's a little heartless, but I hope I'm not really messing up anybody's day or thinking or coming off in a bad way. But I really do think that it, um, you know, that we're able to kind of turn the page when it comes down to it on, on Thanksgiving. We'll see. But uh, again, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's a good Thanksgiving for all of us. Hopefully we're not all pissed off eating turkey and everything, but we'll see what happens, guys. Uh, just to finish off here, guys, really quick. I know I've been kind of taking uh, this one. This one might be a little bit of a longer podcast here, but it's, um, definitely, hopefully, you guys are liking it. <laughs> but um, finish off here, guys, with the Lakers. Lakers faced off with the um, God with the Celtics. Sorry, guys, that that game's a little bit of a blur to me. I really did not enjoy watching that one. <laughs> But um, yeah, I ended up watching the replay on that one. I didn't get a, ca- I did, I got a chance to catch some of it live, but I, 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 I had to watch the, uh, the replay on that one. But 130 to 106, I think it was, or 108. It was really bad though. I mean, we started off good. We started off really great in the, in the first quarter, second quarter. You know, for the first half, it was actually really good. But uh, the, the second half was just damn. <laughs> Uh, overall, I don't know. I don't know. There's the defense really broke down quite a bit. We really just weren't able to stop anything. And it's one of the things like that I want to bring up today is that I feel bad for two people on the Lakers, like really bad for them, just because like my I have a bit of a better knowledge of the of the game of basketball. It's one of the things. It's one of the games that I really take like a an intellect and and and, and, and you know like you know I really take a, I really take a deeper dive into it, you know, and, and tell, and, you know, and I really want to, you know, articulate it in a different way. You know, I don't know. It, it, it comes, it comes to me in a different way when it comes down to basketball, but anyways, I'll get off of that and I'll stop kind of boring you guys with that. But, um, if you guys listen to like the way that I talk about basketball compared to the other sports that I, that I, that I like basketball is basketball is a little different to me, but anyways, when it comes down to, to the two people that I really feel bad for, it's Frank Vogel and Anthony Davis. 
I'll talk about Anthony Davis first because I really want to get into Frank Vogel and go a little bit deeper into the why. Now, with Anthony Davis, I mean, most of you guys can probably, some if you guys have been seeing the games, you guys can definitely see that he's having to do a lot. Um, in the in the loss, unfortunately to the to the Celtics, he scored 31 points, and then he had a well, he had back to back 30 point games against the Celtics and against the uh, Detroit Pistons. Uh, he scored 30 points, just 30 flat with the with the with the, against the Pistons. So I mean, not only is he doing it on the offensive side, scoring 30 point games back to back, you know, and he, I don't think he's had a game where he scored under what 22 24 points all season so i mean the the guy is doing his damn thing uh, he's competing i think for an mvp year and but he's also doing the almost everything possible he can on the on the defensive side he's trying to protect the rim he's trying to protect the freaking perimeter and he's doing a great job at it but i mean he can't do it all you know, if he had just a little bit more help out there, you know, on the defensive side, I think people, I think things would have maybe would maybe turn around. And you kind of saw that a little bit in the third, and a little bit in the third and the fourth quarter of uh, the Detroit game, you know, because of everything that maybe happened and all that. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. But the the other person that I was mentioning here, Frank Vogel, I, re- I really feel bad for head coach uh, Frank Vogel. He. He's a defensive mastermind when it comes down to it, but uh, it you know it's it's difficult in order to try to help people who really never played defense and and I mean there's reasons why people don't play defense in the NBA or why people don't play defense when they play when they play basketball altogether. It's hard, you know, as as a person who's played basketball and maybe if you guys have also played basketball. I like shooting the ball, <laughs> shooting the ball, passing the ball to my teammates and watching them lay it, lay it up or dunk it or, or shoot or whatever. That that feels a lot better than freaking trying to stop a guy from getting past you and, and scoring on you. That, that That's just my opinion. But if, if you guys have played basketball, you guys probably know what the hell I'm talking about. But even if you just shot the ball around and everything, that's a lot. I mean, even when you just are shooting the ball, it's, I mean, or when you're not even playing the game, what do you do? You you don't play defense to just mess around. <laughs> no, you shoot the ball. You know, you you um you play offense. You know, you do things that are that are related to offense when it comes down to it. And um, you know, when it comes down to to Frank Vogel, what he what he's trying to do is 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 change the mentality of these guys who have been such offensive great mind like i mean you have carmelo anthony who's who's a great offensive player he's never been that great on the defensive side except for maybe his earlier years and that's understandable i mean a lot of young uh, younger guys are definitely better on the defensive side because they have young legs they have more energy they have more you know they're able to go out and run more and so on and so forth but you know, when it comes down to some of these other guys, um, it's going to take some time, you know, for Frank Vogel, hopefully. And I was and I'm really hoping that he does have the time because with the extension that they that they read that they gave him and everything, I'm really hoping that that means that they're not going to move away from him anytime soon. That's one of the things that I'm really worried about this season. Um, me and my coworker Ron, at one point, we were talking about it. And I'm like, you know, it's, I'm like, it's very damn possible that he, that he gets fired this year. You know, everybody was worried about it when it was Jason Kidd behind him and everything. But hey, we were doing—we had two great years, especially on the defensive side. 
Um, but the, and we know that that Frank Vogel is able to able to to make it work on the defensive side. But you have to give him the man some right some right pieces. You have to give him some pieces that are going to work out. And maybe some of those pieces are hurt when it comes down to Kendrick Nunn, when it comes down to Austin Reeves, those two, and uh, and Trevor Reza. You know, hopefully when those guys come back and, and hopefully some of these other guys can get more focused on the defensive side and hopefully that turns into something. But it's a lot of hoping. <laughs> it's a lot of hoping, guys. And um, oh, it's an overall thing that we just have to see. But I, I am hoping, I, I am, you know, I'm hanging on to the idea that they're going to keep him, that, that Frank Vogel's not going to be fired. You know, at any point this season. Well, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that he just doesn't get fired in, in general. That, you know, he uh, still has a long career with the Lakers overall. But um, I am feeling bad because the defense is pretty damn bad sometimes, guys. And, and with the, the defense being bad like that, it's not going to it's not gonna result into wins, especially going against these higher caliber teams, you know, when it comes down to it. You know, the game the game against the, uh, the Pistons, they had a couple of their players out. We we were overall just talent wise we should have been able to win the like win the game but it seemed like just overall the team just had no focus just had no energy just was not in it and then the whole thing <laughs> the whole thing happened with uh, LeBron elbowing or you know you know elbow checking um what was his name Isaiah Stewart I believe his name is or Stewart I know the last name for sure Stewart but I believe it was Isaiah Stewart um. You know, that whole thing happened, and there were it literally was like getting ready to turn into a whole malice in the palace thing. If you guys ever heard about that, or for those of you guys who are not longtime uh, basketball or NBA fans, malice in the palace was, um, oh, shit, I don't even know, like what in the 90s, uh, it was like in the in the mid 90s. Um, I'm from I was born in 92, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't even think I was around or really even knew what the hell was going on back then. But I, I figured out later on down the line what the hell the malice in the palace was, and it's um, it was a game against the Indiana Pacers and the uh, Detroit Pistons. It was in uh, uh, I forgot the name of the place, but it was like something Palace, the the where the uh, Detroit Pistons played, and um, a fight broke out. Basically, it was a, this whole thing, this whole situation when it came down to uh, two players, Jermaine O'Neal and uh, Ben Wallace. Uh, they got into it a little bit, and you know, then it turned into a whole situation with Ron Art, with uh, for, with Ron Artest, or formerly Ron Artest, and Meta World Peace. You know, just to kind of drop a little little history here on you guys. Um, you know, so it, it turned into this big whole issue, and um, with when it came down to a fan throwing a, a water bottle or something at Ron Artest when he's laying down on the announcer's table. It's this whole thing that happened, and fans get into it. Uh, freaking players running into the stands whooping on fans and the fans running onto the court and another fight breaks out it turned into a whole fiasco into a whole mess so it was kind of funny seeing how uh you know police and security at, at the detroit pistons arena were like straight up were on it they they had an announcer stay in your seats and everything and all this and that you know it was it was kind of funny but it was like kind of funny to have like those are kind of reminiscing to uh, 
uh, so you should have like a little situation like that again. But anyways, if you guys ever have, if you guys haven't seen the video, check out. It's like YouTube. They even have a whole um, uh, documentary on um, Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. At least that's where I watched it, I believe. I hope they still have it. But if you guys haven't, definitely check it out. Netflix or YouTube. You can just search Malice in the Palace, and it'll you'll see the whole thing there. But anyways, uh, the the Detroit game. So after that whole um, elbow check that LeBron gave to Isaiah Stewart. It really just kind of seemed like things kind of turned around for them. Russ kind of got this, like, you know, this jolt of energy or something like that and really just kind of told them, like, was telling the whole team, like, hey, like, forget these guys. We're fucking winning this game. I don't care where we're down by 15 or I don't care, but we're winning this game. Forget all the bullshit that happened and everything and all that, but we're we're winning this shit. And it, it really turned out that way. You know, AD and, and Russ and Melo, they put on a show in that fourth quarter and really shut things down and really just got things going offensively. Um, don't get me wrong. There was there was a few open three-pointers that I was really worried about. But it seems like overall the, the, the Lakers and Frank Vogel are kind of experimenting with different defensive looks out there. And this is one of the reasons why I think he should definitely stick around. Because if this man, because this this guy has has had one way of, of coaching defense for the past, well, pretty much all his all his coaching career, because he was first in uh, head coach with Indiana, then with the Indiana Pacers, with Orlando, and now with the Lakers. At least those are his last three stops. All and and before before the Lakers, this is the way that he always coached defense. It was always. You apply a lot of ball pressure onto the perimeter so that way the players don't get a chance to shoot a three-pointer. So they have to drive inside, and you have a big guy and another big guy there. You have two big trees to go ahead and, and block these guys to, to not allow them to score at the rim. And that's 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 overall the, the main defensive principles that we've had for these past two seasons. The one that won the one us the world the the World Series, sorry, the championship, and then uh, the one that uh, that led us to being number one in defense uh, the the season before. This year's things are a little bit more different. <laughs> you know, you don't really have the pieces in order to play that that drop coverage, and, and or you really don't have the the guys that are able to play that. But you have maybe a, a chance to play like zone defense is what they've been playing at times, and that's really just each player has their own spot in the court, and they're responsible for that area for that spot in the court they can they'll guard their their defender as much as they can until they get until they either get out of their area and then they pass that they pass on that player basically to the next person unless if they're both there in that area but overall you just kind of guard a certain spot on the on the on the court and um it's uh it's definitely a nice it's definitely interesting to see that Frank Vogel and the Lakers are able to kind of adapt and, and see what kind of works. And that's the overall thing that I'm hoping that the Lakers are, are, are able to be patient with and, and people are able to be patient with because it's going to take some time in order for them to really figure things out. And I'm, it sounds it seems like it's going to be a season where we're going to be maybe on the bottom half of the um, of the eight teams that are going to be able to make it into the playoffs, and I'm, but I'm just hoping that we have that we can avoid that playing game. Like maybe we're fifth or sixth in the in the in the uh, in the West, rather than you know seventh or eighth. So that way we have to play into the in the playing game. But anyways, guys, 
that's pretty much just going to wrap it up here, guys, when it comes down to the podcast. I'm just going to, um, you know, just going to close it up here. I pretty much just wanted to do a quick little update on all the teams, but I have kind of gone on for quite some time now. But I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll be talking more a little bit later on down the line once we have a couple more games and everything to talk about. I'll definitely be doing one on Friday since we have uh, on the game on Thursday. And then uh, there, I believe there's going to be one or I believe one or two games with the Lakers by that point. So we'll talk to so um, I'll talk to you guys again on Friday. But uh, until then, guys, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and it's but yeah, or a great rest of your week and a great day. But until then, guys, peace. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more. <gasps> Ooh. Bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. Dot com.